0: Welcome to In Search of Wisdom, a podcast by the Perennial Leader Project. On today's episode, I welcome back to the show my good friend Brandon Tumlin from the Strong Stoic Podcast, and paradoxically speaking, a new podcast that Brandon and I started a couple months back. Brandon is a strength athlete and coach, and I would say someone with a deep interest in the art of living. His podcast, The Strong Stoic, which is approaching 250 episodes, really explores all aspects of philosophy and essentially what it means to live a good life. In the conversation today, Brandon and I discuss the connection between strength and virtue, how to adopt a strength mindset, the difference between happiness and wisdom, how to integrate practical wisdom into daily life, and much more. If you're not already a subscriber to The Strong Stoic, and paradoxically speaking, I highly encourage you to do so. And you can find those wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, without any further delay, please welcome the wise and gracious Brandon Tumlin. Well, good to see you again, my friend. Welcome to In Search of Wisdom. I'm uh, ready to search for wisdom.
1: Don't think I have a whole lot, but we'll we'll see if we can go search for
0: some <laughs> we'll, at least. We'll see. I think the most important part is the search. Like you never really find it. It's all it's all in the the search. I want to uh chat with you about strength. And why I brought that up is like I've listened to, you know, a few episodes that you've done in the past on, on strength, and obviously it's in the title of your of your podcast, The Strong Stoic, but maybe as a random question to start it off, like broadly speaking, like what do you mean by strength when you talk about it? Mm.
1: Yeah, I've, I've been, as I mentioned to you before we started there, I've been thinking about this concept of strength forever, man. i just just fascinated by what it means. I don't know why. It was just one of those words for me in these topics that I just have always been contemplating in the background and the 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 broadest way i've ever come to define it is it's the ability to resist load so that definition it's kind of like a physiological definition but it, it really applies to everything if you think about what strength in the squat is you're resisting a load you're resisting weight so the load takes the form of a weight but then you think about strength of character you're resisting temptation to to evil um that, that really, I mean, I guess put simply, you're resisting the pull to vice. Mm-hmm. And it takes strength to do that. And it's also the ability to do that. So you can imagine, like, for example, I don't know, in a battlefield or something like that. I, I've used this example in the past where if you're on, let's say, the virtuous side of the war, right, and you're fighting the battle and you're on the good side, you have just as much capability of doing evil. So let's say the quote, quote, bad side, and this is overly simplistic, but let's say you got a good side and a bad side. Y- you both have the ability to do a lot of damage, right? Just let's say destruction, but one side is good and one side is bad. And what, what, what's the, the, I guess, the underlying premise behind that is it's like, like why you're doing it. And that's really what I guess, I guess character is. I know I'm rambling on a little bit here, but um, to put it simply strength to me it really means something similar to what the Stoics call virtue, and I'm I'm still kind of undecided on whether it's exactly the same as virtue. And hopefully today we can figure it out between <laughs> the two of us. But uh, but there's certainly a huge connection between strength and virtue.
0: How do you think about as you said this resisting the load, which I completely get in in terms of. Uh strength training. How do you think about that in terms of tying it into daily life? I get that in terms of resisting vice. Maybe if you could unpack and say more about mundane aspects of of daily life as you, as you think about it.
1: Yeah, man. So load, if you think about it, it really is responsibility. So if you carry a, let's say you put a, a barbell on your back to do a squat you are responsible for that weight. As soon as you put pick it up off the squat rack, it's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I mean, you could you could drop it and maybe beat up the floor. Maybe you have a floor that can that you can drop the weights, which I do all the time. Uh, that's good too. But um, yeah, you it, it's basically a responsibility. That's what it is in daily life. So you can imagine when you're young, when you're a child or something like that, you might not even be able to take responsibility for your whole life that's what your parents do for you certainly when you're a baby right you you can't take care of yourself and that's that's something that's really worth thinking about is that if you're an adult if you made it to adulthood somebody gave a shit about you Mm. right that's something i think that we we can have a little bit of gratitude for too but over the course of your growing up slowly your parents the idea is your parents teach you how to take care of yourself how to do laundry how to cook how to work and, and earn money and there's a point where you become an adult. And that, that's not when you turn 18. It's when you become fully responsible for your own life. It's when you carry your own weight in society. You can sustain yourself. So load in, let's say, day-to-day life is being able to carry your own weight. That's, and that's that, that strength. Their load, load is, let's say, the responsibility of life. Strength is the ability to carry that. And then the upper limits of that are infinite because there's people that take care of a family. So you become, let's say, you get a wife. You have a couple children. Now you're responsible for several other people. So obviously the first step for anyone in, in the course of your life, the first big, big goal is let's figure out how to take care of myself. Let's figure out how to carry the burden that is my life. And then if you're you know if you're looking to have a more even more meaningful life how many other people can i take care for how many other people can i help out how many people can i take full responsibility for how many people can i help out in some way and so to me i see strength as like like the stronger you are the the more good in the world you can actually do mm-hmm. and that that's i guess that's why it's so inspiring to me
0: i love it let me ask a question a curiosity question. So, for some of the listeners that may not be familiar, we we talk quite a quite a bit. We're starting this uh, this podcast called Paradoxically Speaking, where we really have these random conversations about all sides of a particular topic. And this isn't one I don't think we've directly spoke about. But I, I'm really curious in the way of searching for fill in the blank, like what, whatever you just gave this articulate, concise, clear definition of strength. And it, it it makes sense to me. I think it makes sense to probably anybody that's listening as a helpful thing to have running in the background, but on your podcast podcast, like you're covering all sorts of topics. I mean, you've more than a couple hundred episodes. I don't even know exactly how many, but lots and lots of episodes, two a week, some solo, some with guests. Why do you think there's a need to essentially search out and explore many, many different topics? Not only like for yourself, but, As you said, it's also, you know, for the listeners and for for others, random curiosity Mm. question, but I I think it's an important one.
1: Yeah, and I'm actually probably going to steal a little bit of your answer that uh, I asked you what wisdom was. And you said that, uh, I'll, I'll paraphrase what you said, but basically that you've interviewed a lot of people on what wisdom was. And what you came to realize is that there's a lot of different answers to that. There's some truth to all of them, but neither of them are complete. And that's kind of how I think about all these different philosophies, even things like, obviously, stoicism. I mean, stoicism is a a huge part of my life. But as you know, I love going down Christian rabbit holes and Buddhist rabbit holes and evolutionary psychology and all these different angles. If you look at, let's say you're looking at a statue, you're only going to see one perspective, right? So the chances of you not being able to see something that's important on the other side of that statue is like pretty high because you're you're just not seeing the full picture. If you look at it, if you move, say, 45 degrees to the left or to the right, you get more of an image. So now you're seeing a bit more. That's kind of what it's like. It's like the more angles and perspectives that you can look at something from and if there's congruence into what... Uh, what would you say, what what you're learning from that or what you're seeing from that, then you can be absolutely, I wouldn't say absolutely certain, but you can be more certain that the chances of you missing something vital is lower. So I, I just, it's tremendously valuable. Look at things through every different lens that you can. And that's all these things are, like Stoicism, Buddhism, Christianity, evolutionary psychology, even science as a whole, it's a lens. It's a lens to view the world. Is it a good lens? Well, we can argue about that, but certainly uh, it's hard to get the whole picture from any one lens. You, you got to switch it up. You got to look at it through different
0: angles to find out
1: what the truth actually
0: is. And maybe in this conversation around strength, I'm curious to pick your brain about the different angles of of strength. Like you know, As you initially describe it, this resistance but then you know to maybe use an analogy of, of strength training you know at at some point in time you're you're racking that particular weight you know at some point in time it's there is a particular failure when it comes to resistance have you you know how do you think about that of of strength and maybe the different ways to, to think about strength. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of analogies to strength, strength training here, right?
1: Obviously there's a, there's a failure point. Like we all have different levels of strength. You, no one would deny that in the gym. It's obvious, right? It's a little less concrete when you're talking about things like life as a whole, because you know, if you compare just as an example, you and I, it's like we got completely different lives. We're in different countries. Uh, you have a family. I don't have a family. I'm working professional right now. You're uh, retired, but still doing a lot of stuff with the podcast. Like we, we just have different lives. It's hard to compare. But if you, it's a little bit simpler if you look at it from the broader perspective. So, again, if you look at a child, let's say five years old, if you put that child out into the woods by themselves – they're probably not going to make it. Like, There's a chance. Probably it's pretty low. They just they don't have the skills, the knowledge, the wisdom, in other words, the strength to take care of themselves at all. If you throw someone that's 18 years old into the woods, it's a completely different picture. So clearly there, there's a difference, a very significant and obvious difference in the level of responsibility that each of those people can take on. And, and again, you know, the question is, well, what's the upper limits of that? And you look at someone who's like, I don't know, opening a shelter and, and taking care of people, bringing in homeless people and feeding them because they have, they've made a lot of money in their life or something like that. Like that's, that is the upper limits of that. It's like, how many people can I take care of? So it's hard to concretely define, but, um, and, and maybe we can talk about, you know, I'll let you, if we want to go into that at some point, getting stronger and what that looks like. But I mean, it's hard to specify exactly. It's like if you can squat 500 pounds and I can squat 450, that's pretty obvious that you're stronger. In life, it's it's not as concrete, but we can make some abstract generalities in terms of, you know, how strong people are and how much responsibility they can take on.
0: When you're speaking with, you know, people about this concept of strength and and virtue and and resistance – You know, do you think anyone listening or in your experience that maybe it's misinterpreted or there's things that are maybe easily misunderstood? I I guess I think of um, sometimes like I've heard, uh, I think uh, Pope Francis say that tenderness is strength he's saying it is obviously because it's counterintuitive in a way we don't necessarily connect the dots with, with tenderness and strength or in the same way of um, you think in the way, as you were talking about like responsibility, you know, like carrying your load as you're navigating down your path. There's this central thing in stoicism that we've talked about many times of dichotomy of control, like what's up to us I mean, you can go to this thing and and your responsibility can really go far, like far beyond you. You can start wanting to, you know, put the world on your, on your back as like a couple examples. Like, how do you think about that? And maybe anything else that comes to mind that might be misunderstood or, or maybe make the idea of strength a bit sticky to put into practice.
1: It's very sticky and it's, of course it's tangly, um, And it's not always, I mean, there's no, it's kind of like wisdom overall. You know, there's the cardinal virtue of temperance. It's like, what does that mean? It means moderation. So if you apply that, again, talking about or thinking about virtue as something like strength, the same thing. In a squat, again, we'll go back to that example. You need your back and your abs and your legs, pretty much your whole body, with the exception of your arms, to some degree, there needs to be some tension there, but they need to be stiff Mm. so this is very interesting but muscles that are stiffer you can actually tend to lift more weight if you look at a strongman athlete these like these big guys that are lifting up boulders and stuff their back is like stiff like it's it's like a two by four right Mm. if you look at something more like a gymnast or a weightlifter olympic weightlifter there's more flexibility there and and the reason is simple i mean obviously if you have a big load on your back and there's stiffness there it uh it's, it's less likely to bend on its own, whereas if it's more flexible, you have to focus on maintaining that tension. The, the point is is that there's this degree of stiffness and flexibility, and there's this balance of the two. And so it's not the case that, for example, stiffness is strength. It's not the case that flexibility is strength, if we consider those at, as, let's say, opposite ends of the, of the same spectrum. It's not. There's a balance there. There's a sweet spot in the middle there, of course, depending on what sport you're actually doing. And and it does depend on what that actually is. And maybe that's like, you know, if you're stoic, you need a different balance there. If you're a Buddhist, you need a slightly different balance there. Or if you're an individual that is X or Y, maybe. But the point is, is that, yeah, I think sometimes we have this tendency to want to simplify things and put an absolute answer on it. Like strength is having big muscles. It's not true. It's not true at all. <laughs> a lot of the bodybuilders that have bigger muscles are they're they're not the strongest athletes in the world. Yeah. There's there's other factors involved. And so again, to get to recircle back to what you said about wisdom that time, it's like it's many different things. It's this balancing act and you can't you can't take out a piece of the pie without missing something that's significant.
0: Yeah. Are you one of these uh, people that have an, an aversion to CrossFit? Generally, people like love it or hate it type of stuff.
1: I don't hate it. I spend a lot of time with, uh, with CrossFitters because I go to – I do Olympic weightlifting, which is in CrossFit, but it's its own sport. So I, 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 t- I spend a lot of time in CrossFit. I don't hate it. Um, <laughs> I, I got I got some professional opinions on it, but uh, yeah, but yeah over, I don't, I'm not against it at all, no.
0: So you just dislike it a lot. I got you. <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> I hate it but I don't want people to, you know,
0: yeah. leave the uh no. leave
1: the episode. <laughs> it is uh
0: It it's interesting. Like I'm a I don't I don't necessarily uh do it any, anymore, but I'm a fan of it. I just watched a uh, a recent documentary about it and just seeing like uh Tia Claire Toomey This, uh, the, the, uh, one of the female athletes who I think has just won it for the, for the fifth time or something like that, just dominant. It's an interesting thing. It's all, you know, associated with, with strength and things like that, but they're really being prepared for whatever may come. They don't, you know, they're working on swimming, sprinting, long distances, um, you know, traditional, Olympic weightlifting type of stuff. And it does seem like that connects with, with life of you really don't know what's, what's coming. We've talked about the analogy of maybe being in, in an ocean. You don't really know what's, what's coming underneath. You don't know what's coming in the, in the future. There's a lot of uncertainty And maybe that's when you talk about all of these different episodes that you're doing, you know, 250 some episodes, and there's still probably many topics that are in your mind that you haven't really touched on or many different points of view that you haven't touched on. How do you think from like from a listener perspective, how should they maybe transition to thinking about strength in many different ways? Like any, any thoughts that come to mind to, to help someone to mm. think about the like we say, the many ways of wisdom, you know, the many ways of, of strength, the many ways of of being, you know, responsible and, and resisting the the load that you know you're you're faced with because it's different so often.
1: It is, and obviously it really depends on the particularities of whoever is listening, right? That being said, you know, you and I spoke of inner wisdom before. I think a lot of times we do know on some level the the parts of our lives that could be improved, right? So, you know, you think about, you know, I, I mentioned to you um, a scary thought is if you just imagine who you would be if you just stopped doing everything you know to be wrong. So I thought a lot about that because— it seems that, myself included, not there's no judgment here whatsoever. I do a lot of things that I know to be wrong while I'm doing it, right? And, I, and I'm sure everyone does. And then you ask, well, what allows you to do more of the things that you know you need to do or that you should do?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Strength. It's strength. And built into that is, is things like discipline, but also, as the Stoics would say, perspective on on this so um i'm not sure if i'm really answering your question but i guess what i would say is that overall i think people have to really be self-reflective you have to look at your day you have to look at your life and if you just pick out a couple things that you know you're doing that you don't that you think you should not be doing and i'd be very surprised if if you ask yourself that question what am i doing wrong that i know to be wrong I'd be very surprised if someone doesn't get an answer to that. Yeah. Because I think, I think we all know if we, if we ask the question and if we're ready to hear an answer, that answer is going to come up embarrassingly fast. <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: Uh-huh. How about understanding what we're capable of? I think we've talked before about maybe potential but I think as as you describe it and talk about, and again, this isn't really a topic that we've got into before that I can recall. It's like strength of will, like understanding from a survival, like animalistic type of thing of really what we're capable of from a strength of will thing. Like, do you have a particular person that you look to as a model of of strength. How do you, how do you think about that? How do you come to realize, you know, what, what you're really capable of? That's a great question, man. That's such a great question.
1: You know, if you, if you take on an athlete as a coach and they say, I want to lift a hundred pounds, 200 pounds, 300 pounds as a coach, You normally, you understand that there's a path to that because you think, okay, I've dealt with several athletes in the past. I know the process. I know what you got to do. So just do this as best as you can and you'll get there. The athlete, if they're new, might not believe at all that they can get better, period, so the potential thing is an interesting one because the question is, can we get better? All right. That, that's really the question. You're talking about potential, getting stronger. What are we capable of? It's like, what's the upper limits of what we're capable of? Maybe that's not a good question. Maybe the question is, can we get better? Maybe the question is, are we capable of getting stronger? And this is such a useful thing to know because the answer to that question I think there's two parts. First of all, you have to believe that you can get better or you have to have someone that's willing to believe that you can get better, such as a coach. The second thing is you have to have the humility to set the bar sufficiently low. So if you come to me, Josh, and you say, I can squat 200 pounds, I want to squat 300 pounds. that's, That's wisdom. If you can actually squat 200 pounds right now. What if you lied to me because you're embarrassed and you can only squat 150 pounds? Well, all of a sudden, the plan that I made for you that I know is going to work, if the truth is there that you can squat 200 pounds now, that plan is no longer going to work. Why? Because you're not accepting where you are. And people do this in the gym all the time and they do it in life. You know, there's a quote from a powerlifter philosopher that I love. It's strength starts where you are, not where you want to be. Or where you used to be. And that's one of the hardest things. It's so tempting for us to think that we're further ahead than we are. That we can lift more than we can actually lift in the gym, for example. Because we want to believe that we're, let's say, higher on the totem pole. The problem with that, as I said there, is that if you don't accept where you are, the plan that you make to make yourself better... Mm it's simply not going to work as optimally as it could, or maybe not even at all. So are we capable of getting stronger? Yeah, but you got to accept where you are. You got to have that humility to accept exactly where you are, whether it's 200-pound squat, 500-pound squat, five-pound squat, body weight squat. Doesn't matter, but you have to accept where you are in order to get better.
0: I love that. It's such an interesting in in my view an often overlooked thing. This idea of not just acceptance of yourself and where you are, but even the idea of acceptance of how the world works. Like that is another thing. There's a lot of acceptance that needs to take place you know how does the world work a lot of these things are just outside of our control like that's our only move really is to accept it and then also you know navigate and work within you know how the how the world works I'm, i'm really curious to ask like in the way of virtue and vice which we've talked about quite a quite a bit When it comes to strength training and these like images and examples that I have in my mind, it's not necessarily like all or nothing. But sometimes it seems like when it comes to virtue or vice, it can be this all or nothing thing. You know, it's not like I was trying to resist a load of 300 and I did 250. It's like virtue doesn't always work like that maybe it does in terms of moderation you know temperance but some of the other ones it's like you know either you were courageous or you just weren't like how do you think about that like should we think about strength as all or nothing and then how do we face that if we strike out i guess i don't think it's
1: helpful to think of it necessarily as as all or nothing yeah and this is this is sort of one of the stoic ideas that if you're you you can't, unless you're completely virtuous, that's what a sage is, right? The one who's completely virtuous all the time. Like you can't fully appreciate love and you can't fully uh, have, um, I guess, moments of flourishing. Like they thought if, if, unless you were a sage, you couldn't really flourish all the time. There's probably some truth to that. But I would even break this down to a practical level. Because if you think about strength again, as doing the things that you need to do to make yourself better. So that which which is really what, what flourishing is It's like virtue this 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 development of a good character. What that gets down to practically are the things you do every day. So I man, when I realized this, it was such a, a great thing. It, it simplified everything because if you th- you think about like a virtuous person, you just think of someone that's like virtuous. They're nice. They're kind. They do the right thing. They tell the truth. But. It seems so abstract because you think, well, how the hell do I become that? But then if you think, well, a virtuous person is really just a person that does virtuous things every day. In other words, a virtuous person is someone who has virtuous habits. Hmm. That's it. That's all it is. A virtuous person is someone who has developed the habit of not freaking out too much when someone cuts them off in traffic, of being kind to their neighbors in the morning and giving them a wave, to um, being patient with their children. That's it. They've just developed this habit over time to becoming virtuous. So I I, I use this example way too much, but if if you go to Tim Hortons or Starbucks every morning and someone gives you a coffee and you say thank you, that's something you can do every day. And you can say that and you can mean it. You can practice that. Mm. Now, what is that? That's, I don't know, let's say 30 seconds of your day, that transition between you, you pay, you get the coffee, look them in the eye, you say, thank you. You go on 30 seconds a day out of 24 hours. I don't know what percentage that is, but there's a certain percentage of your day. If you say 30 seconds over 24 hours, whatever that comes out to, whatever percentage that is, that is the percentage that you are being virtuous that day, a, a piece of it. So now if you think about, well, what if I was pro-social with my family over dinner? What if we put our phones away? What if we talked about our day? What if we, not to say that it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows all the time, but what if we make the time that we have dinner together as a family present and we're all here? Well, that's another hour. So now you have an hour and 30 seconds (laughs) of your day out of 24 hours, which is about 4%, where you're, you're being virtuous right? I think that's the way to think about it. You have to break down exactly what what a a virtuous day looks like. And then you work towards that. And then you get back to humility. I know I'm rambling, but where you are. Well, where are you on that? Do you even have a family? Are you currently someone who is purposefully rude to the person at the drive-thru because you're angry about something every day? Because... People do that. That's a thing. And, and and again, no shame whatsoever. But you have to evaluate where you are, again, in order for you to be able to improve. So if you and your family have never cooked a meal together, you order takeout every night, it might be a little too far stretched for you to sit down as a family, cook a meal together, clean afterwards, and have a, a discussion with each other every day. It's It's too big of a goal. So maybe the mm. first goal is once a week, let's cook a meal together. Let's figure it out. Let's make a disgusting meal together. (laughs) Let's force ourselves to eat it. Let's laugh about how disgusting it is. Let's add more salt because it's (laughs) that bad. Maybe that's the first step. But then you say, well, what's the goal? Well, the goal is that we all sit together as a family and be present. That's one step closer. You're slowly getting there. So uh, I know I'm rambling, but that's the process. It's where we are and
0: accepting that so that we can move forward. I, I love it it's honestly like the idea of um it's like thinking small or these big like grand things you know obviously they're both important like we've talked about you know where you're going what port are you headed to it's important but man the Buddha has this quote that I love where it's like you know every drop adds to the bucket like you're talking about that. That interaction with the person, you know, picking up your coffee, that's a drop that can add to the bucket. But the Buddha also talks about, there's a second passage where it's like every drop adds to the bucket, but he goes into, it's the same thing for the vice, you know, like that's also a drop that adds to the bucket. Like if you're rude to that person picking up your coffee. So it's, it's, it's weird of this thinking small and and maybe that's what mindfulness and, and being in the present moment is, is all about of really making these small moment by moment decisions, putting them in the right perspective. They're really, really important. Hmm. What helps you to come to this, you know, coming to that realization? Like, how do you do it? Like, how does someone that is inspired by, you know, big long-term goals. How do you transition to become also inspired by the small, mundane, you know, daily habits and acts?
1: That's that's the million-dollar question. I, I mean, I can tell you how I came to that realization. And uh, this it's not an easy thing, I suppose, in some ways. But I came to that realization by attaining a goal that I really wanted to attain that was noble to me. Mm. So when I was nine, I started playing guitar. Not immediately, but fell in love with it, right? Fell in love with it, Uh, playing on the weekends, played until my fingers bled kind of thing, and became really proficient at it. And, you know, I'm not Jimi Hendrix, for sure. But for me, I've considered to have mastered that take aside external validation. Like I could never win any competitions or anything like that. But for me personally, I felt like I was so proficient in my skill. I can, I can put it down for six months, pick it back up, play just as well as I could before. Like to me, that's, that's something resembling mastery. And when you realize, when you achieve something like that, you, you realize that the attainment of the goal, is not where it's at (laughs) at all. Mm. What happens when you attain a goal? Well, now you have no goal. This, this is a vital piece of information that you, you don't have meaning by achieving anything. This kind of sucks if you think about it. I don't know who made up this law, <laughs> but I suppose it's, it's, it's God, whatever you mean by that in some sense. But the fact that whenever you achieve a goal, you're happy for like five minutes and then it's gone – that loss sucks (laughs) (laughs) because it means you're never actually going to achieve that perfect life that you want. So what I would say is that after that, I had the realization that really all the meaning, all the happiness, it comes from the process. It didn't come from, it doesn't come from me now being able to go up and play a song that I spent three months trying to learn it was from spending three months trying to learn that song. It's not an attainment of the goal. When when you master something, this is what I realized. When you master something, it starts to become boring to you. Who would have who would have thought that? Who would have thought that once you master something, it becomes boring to you? Why? No challenge, no growth. And why are we here? We're here for growth. We're here to get stronger. That's the whole point of 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 existence and again i don't know who made up that law but and it kind of sucks but it's just the way life is so what i would say is that i think people need to realize that it the happiness the meaning it does come from the process how do you realize that by picking something when you're young and mastering it to the best of your ability and then having that realization
0: let me ask a strange question does i Becoming stronger, becoming happier, becoming wiser, the list could go on. Like, is there a difference in those? You know, do you think about them in a different way? Are they the same? How should one think about you know, any of those just as an example?
1: They're the same damn thing, man. You think? I think so. I, and this is what's so interesting, because <laughs> you're not happy from being wise; you're happy from getting wiser. And and it's the same thing with strength. I think these words are interchangeable. I, and again, you have to think about them in the right in the right way. And and that's where I'm biased, right? Because I when I think of strength, I think of strength of character. That's that's just where it goes to me. And obviously there's, there's physical strength, but physical strength leads you to a stronger character, generally speaking. You know, again, the Stoics said that virtue leads you to flourishing. So you could say that really virtue is flourishing. If you are virtuous, you flourish. If you are virtuous, you are happy. I think virtue and strength are the same thing. So – and virtue is, is, again, the cardinal virtue of wisdom, which is the key cardinal virtue. All these words – this is what's so complicated. You think about, like, these different words, and we try and separate them because we want to be able to understand. And I, I do that more than anyone, try and separate and put things into boxes. But it's like you're just removing pieces of the pie. It's like they're all part of the same damn pie. Mm. And, yeah, sometimes you use different words – in different situations because of context. But to answer your question simply, I think they're they're all, it's all talking about the
0: same thing. It is interesting. The, um, these days I am a real big fan of existentialists. This idea of becoming that they talk about that we're not any sort of fixed being, we're constantly becoming. We are our choices or our actions. I, I get what Kierkegaard is is maybe talking about in terms of uh, you label me, you negate me. I kind of, I kind of get how it's like, you know, you're becoming stronger, or or maybe you're becoming weaker. But you're becoming something something other we we spoke the other day a bit about you know in impermanence for this uh, course that i'm I'm doing now, this wisdom one o one course but it's that's the idea it's like you're becoming something other, whatever it may be it could be weaker, stronger, happier, wiser or. Less virtuous. But it depends. Like how do you how do you deal with the days when you're that becoming fill in the blank is maybe not the direction that you want to head. You know, you set the direction, it's like you're have the goal, it sounds like of becoming stronger. In many different ways that we've talked about, you know, how do you deal with the days and the moments of, of where you miss the mark, if you will? <laughs> yeah,
1: that's the question, man. Yeah. What do you do when things don't go to plan?
0: Isn't That's a million dollar, million dollar question. I mean, is it difficult for you? Is it, does it, in your experience, to get maybe more specific, does it take the wind out of your sails or do you just... The train keeps moving. It's, yeah, sometimes it takes the wind out of my sails. Uh,
1: I think I'd be lying if I said otherwise. You know, sometimes you, sometimes you work really hard at something and something doesn't work out. Sometimes that thing is outside of your control and then hopefully you can use a stoic mindset to be okay with that. Sometimes it's something that was within your control. Sometimes you take the wind out of your own sails. Simple example that I can go back to in my personal life. We'll get back to strength training. Sometimes I got, you know, I got I, I have reoccurring issues with my knees because I'm a weightlifter, I'm sure you know. Like it just tears the shit out of your knees, right? There's things you can do that. If you do them every day, some isometrics that are very uncomfortable, like physio work, just physio work that's uncomfortable uh, and no one likes to do it. But if you do them, can keep you healthy. Sometimes I'll go through phases where I feel like I don't need to do those things anymore. And then what happens? Sometimes the knee pain comes back. Mm. Sometimes you ignore it. Sometimes if you ignore it long enough it causes you, forces you to stop training. That takes the wind out of my sails. More than me, I don't know, making some dumb mistake or maybe someone loaded the bar for me at the gym and they put the wrong weight on and then the weight tilted over and I tweaked my back. That's out of my control. But if I purposefully was negligent and I knew better, I'm going and I'm doing my warm-up. I'm thinking to myself, I should do that physio stuff, but eh, I don't need to do it. But I know better on some level, but I don't do it. And then I start to get the knee pain back, and I still don't do it. Then it starts to get worse, and I still don't do it. And then all of a sudden, I can't squat anymore. That takes the wind out of my sails because I knew better, and I could have done better. Mm. And... I, again, this this is something that I, I tend to really emphasize with the dichotomy of control. Don't focus or don't tr- try and accept the things that are outside of your control. Yes, absolutely. Let's all focus on that. But maybe first we should focus on doing everything we can that's actually within our control. Because that whole, it's outside of my control. Yeah, you know what? The funny thing about that is when my knee pain comes back in full swing, at that moment in time, it's outside of my control. I have to deal with it where I am. But it was in my control two months ago, three months ago, four months ago when I started feeling the pain. I could have done something different. So again, I I would just reemphasize that strength is about taking on responsibility and doing what you have to do. A lot of times that's things that you don't want to do. But if it's alignment with your higher level goal of, let's say, squatting more weight, strength is, is being able to do that.
0: Yeah, in the way of taking on that responsibility, in the conversation as I'm reflecting on some of those things that take the wind out of your sails, like for me, if I'm grumpy with my kids or I raise my voice at my son or something, I ex- experience some guilt from that. You know, it really takes the wind yeah. out of my sails. I, I wish I wouldn't have done that, and. Like in a way, maybe feeling guilty about something is taking responsibility, maybe learning that lesson and then moving forward and to the best of your ability, not doing whatever that particular thing was, you know, again. But there is that thing of where it's not helpful Uh, So I'm curious, like, in the context of strength, when is strength, like, forgiving yourself? When is strength, you know, going easy on others and easy on yourself? Does that make any sense? Like, anything come Mm -hmm. to mind there? Yeah, I think it's,
1: again, I I have to say this again, because I think it's the answer. It, It is humility and and accepting where you are i think that's how you get over that so you and I've, I've done this too man i've i've you know i've gotten angry at people that i love and care about and then you think oh shit what's the response to that the response is to say i don't want this to happen again so i want to get better I want to be stronger. I want to be more virtuous. I want to be better at dealing with this. How do I do that? I accept where I am. I accept and acknowledge that out of the last month, I had one angry outburst at my family. And I don't feel so good about that. But you know what? Let's just accept that. That's where I am. That's my starting point. Today is my starting point. And then you say, where do I want to go? I want to never do that ever again in a long time because that's going to be a while for you to get that. But then you start thinking about it and you put a plan in place for how to get better. It's uh, I, I've done the same thing, man. And, and the worst part is when you get these things that surface up where you realize that you have been doing something for a while. Maybe you didn't even realize it was bad. Hmm. That really takes the wind out of your sails because now you think, now you start to lose faith. Not only are you kind of disheartened, but now you're thinking, well, if I didn't even know that about myself, how much do I really know about myself? And the answer is, <laughs> you know, you know much less about yourself than you think. And you better damn well get to accepting that because that's the truth of it. But what do you do? You try
0: and learn more. Yeah. You try to improve. And that's all you can do, man. It is interesting, the idea of acceptance of how it maybe also connects with the truth. You know, you think of uh, acceptance when it comes to how does the world work? Essentially, you're searching for some sort of eternal truth of just how it works. And that is a helpful thing in, in terms of what you were saying there. You, you said something along the lines of, I've done that one time in the last month. You know, even just, you know, how can you look at it in an objective way, maybe, and then come to the realization and the acceptance that you're probably not a sage. There is no such thing maybe as a sage. You're not, you know, perfect. Marcus Aurelius talks about, you know, don't go around expecting Plato's Republic. Like, that's just not how you're built. That's not how the world works. That's not how anyone else is. But it is it is interesting in terms of these feelings of, of guilt and self-acceptance and virtue and vice, how maybe reason in seeing the truth like comes into play. Like it really can help yeah. to help you to navigate, you know our, our way forward. Um, but on the other side, to, like the idea of guilt and feeling a bit of negative emotion, in a paradoxical way seems to be useful as well in a certain amount, not necessarily to, to replay and to influence like how you see yourself and the potential and what you're capable of. But in a, in a brief moment to just acknowledge that this is not how I want to show up in the world. And it doesn't feel good to, to actually like feel that as well. Um, So it is an interesting thing and and maybe worth, I know our our conversations always fly by, but just this idea of uh, (laughs) like reason and passion, you know, working Mm. together. I've always wondered like, can reason just exist by itself? Like I did a episode on Kant where he's, you know, really all about like, it's just a reason Like, can reason just exist by itself. You know i don't I don't know. it seems that reason and passion, and when I say passion, I mean like emotion and, and things like that, um, they, they both seem to exist you know at the same time. It's interesting,
1: yeah, I wouldn't want to get rid of emotion and passion yeah, you know and th- and th- this is I think this is something that when you start learning stoicism, you think that there's no emotion. But as you get deeper into it, you realize that there's so much. Like, man, I honestly, yeah. since I've been practicing stoicism, like the more the deeper I get into the philosophy, it's like I, I feel more emotion. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. I feel more emotion as a practicing stoic. That I would, I would, I would say I'm pr- pretty damn close to a practicing stoic. I don't know if I'm perfect, but I'm pretty well aligned with stoic philosophy in terms of my personal philosophy. I feel more emotion now than I ever did. It's not the case that I'm this stone and I don't like no, that's all that's all bullshit. The Stoics didn't want you to get to to use toxic emotions, unvirtuous vicious emotions to
0: dictate your actions. Period. Yeah. That that's it. Yeah, it's it's um it's so interesting. I I really like how Donald Robertson, I know he's come on both of our podcasts. Called Stoicism a philosophy of love. I, I could not agree more. But even the idea of um, anger, you know, this corrosive, toxic emotion that often, I agree, that often doesn't lead to good things. When it comes to working with this particular anger, you know, Seneca, Marcus Aurelius, if you're reading, you know, they're essentially bringing a reality into it. They're bringing in how the world works, how we work, how everyone else. Um, so it's like both of those to make wiser decisions moving moving forward. You know, what is the in terms of becoming stronger, becoming wiser, if that's your path forward, you know, what's the best way way to do that? It's really, really interesting. What do you think in terms of a way to, to wrap it up? Like when it comes to strength, you talked about the statue and you're, we're maybe looking at it from different angles. We can only see, you know, one side at a time. Is there anything around this idea of strength that you're still curious about, or maybe a, a side of this particular thing that is is a bit fuzzy? Yeah
1: for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would just say as a maybe somewhat motivational inspiring idea. We don't think about it like this, same way we don't think about virtue. Same, we don't think about wisdom like this or courage or temperance. Strength is a choice. It is a choice. It's it's something that you can choose to do, and I know. You know one of the, one of the things that really uh, I guess weighs on me is that a lot of people don't think that they can get better at something. Like I, I take that for granted, man. I do. I personally I take that for granted because I, I've just I had great parents that really distilled that into me, but. There's a lot of people out there, when I talk to people, they don't think that they can get better at something, whether that's happier, stronger, more virtuous, period. They don't think they can get into a better place than they are now. And I would just say that its, it's strength is a choice. That, that's a road that you can choose to get on, and that doesn't mean you can choose to squat 500 pounds tomorrow when it's going to happen. It's not what I mean. But you can choose to engage in that process of getting stronger. 100%.
0: Yeah. I love it. And that is, that is probably as good a spot as we can, we can find to, to wrap it up, man. Super grateful for you taking the time to connect. I know many of the listeners are familiar with you and, you know, the strong stoic. Anything that comes to mind in terms of you know sharing with the listeners, where would you say is the best place to to connect and and things like that for people interested?
1: Yeah, uh, thanks again, man. I know we chat a lot, yeah. <laughs> but this was uh, we don't we don't normally chat quite like this where uh, you know you ask really, I mean, you always ask interesting questions, but um, but yeah, this this was really focus and strength, and I just appreciate it, man. Those are great questions. I'm gonna be thinking about this for years <laughs> <laughs> <My> <laughs> probably pleasure, man. so you're you're uh, yeah give me things to think about but yeah i would say that in terms of the strong stoic i mean podcasts are out everywhere apple podcast spotify you name it uh you can connect with me on instagram i'm on twitter as well i'm on facebook i have a telegram group chat strong stoic channel chat where we, we do talk about the podcast episodes Uh, So there's actually quite a bit of good discussion in there. So if anyone's interested in in discussing, I'm in there pretty frequently as well. And um, I guess the podcast we have it, which I'll say as well, paradoxically speaking. So uh, yeah,
0: you can find me anywhere and everywhere. Well, love it. Hey, thanks so much. Greatly appreciate you coming back on In Search of Wisdom, man. All right, brother. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you found something useful. If so, I encourage you to put what you heard into practice. You can learn more at perennialleader.com. There you'll find links to show notes, our daily email newsletter, and Reading in the Good Life, a free weekly meetup. Until next time, be wise and be well.